Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. So it's hard to tell on our respective cameras, uh, but yeah. we, we've, got a, we've got a bit of a, a lighting theme going on today. And so I, like, I joined we the, do. the call. Yeah, so we tried to match our, yeah, for those of you watching on YouTube, if you're listening and you were like, oh, I really want to see their pretty faces, youtube.com slash at NightShiftMG, you can watch our bonus Thursday episodes live on YouTube. Um, But we tried to match our lights to be green because we are reviewing a Hulu movie. Yeah. Uh, This coming Sunday, we're reviewing the movie Rosalind uh, as we kick off our month of unconventional love stories. And honestly, I don't know exactly what it is as I was... Like scrolling around looking for the this film today, uh, I was trying to see if there was some sort of like visual cue that I could pick up on that like explains it. But like, I just I feel so much more drawn to Hulu's interface and the types of films that they that they stream typically when I'm looking for movie night. And I don't know if it's just that they get lucky and like catch a lot of the types of films that I like, or if there is something specific about their interface. Like I love how it's like these big colorful blocks with like the posters and a little description and stuff like that. I like that. I like that interface for scrolling through and, and picking something. Uh, But I don't know if it's, if it is a matter of the selection or if it is a matter of psychology, Uh, but something about that green also. And like, I don't even particularly feel drawn to green as a color, but something about that. I think, I think there's probably some science behind it. There's gotta be something that it just clicks in your brain. Like the UI just Mm -hmm. clicks and everything looks nice. What, uh, what device, like what streaming device are you using to, to view Hulu? So we, uh, typically use the, uh, the Chromecast with Google TV streaming okay. device so google's little streaming dongle that they released a couple of years ago uh which i'm curious to see if they do another revision or if that's another thing that they're just like ah just kidding we're not we're not gonna do that anymore. <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about i've never heard of that device before <laughs> um i will also uh on occasion watch on my ipad um which i'll note is a like pretty much like hulu gives a pretty consistent user experience across like the web and various apps on various streaming platforms and i will give them that because a lot of like i I guess less and less 
as time goes on, but for a long time, particularly, a lot of different services had a very dramatically different experience across devices. Uh, but Hulu, I feel like, has been pretty consistent for a long time. And maybe that's another thing that's that's made me feel drawn to it is I know my way around no matter which app I'm on. You know, there there is, a, I've noticed this recently with the big streaming apps. So like HBO Max, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Peacock uh, to a degree, mm -hmm. all have the same sort of like left sidebar, yep. you know, left sidebar thing. You know, they're, they're, you know, the new things, the things you were just watching, you know, and then they're like, they're all kind of structurally formatted roughly the same. And, and, you know, uh, to a degree, Netflix is also kind of structured that way. Um, I, I do actually like Netflix's you know, long Rolodex version mm -hmm. of being able to see things. Uh, my my complaint with Hulu is that I feel like I never can find a thing to watch on the home screen. I feel like I have to do too much digging to find something because there's so many like, here's all the sports and all the live channels and all the other things. And I'm like, but I, what if I wanted to watch a movie? Like you're just showing me like the same three movies over and over and over again. I feel like it doesn't, I can't like find a long list quickly enough, at least on Apple TV. That's, I, I think that that's a reasonably fair concern. And like, I I find that experience on most other streaming services. And I like, I think it goes back to, I've spent enough time with Hulu at this point that like it knows me well enough to suggest things that like I actually can just scroll through the homepage and be like, that looks cool and watch it. And that's how we end up finding things like Rosalind and like even a lot of the, the shows we watch tend to be on Hulu. And that I think is as much a product of they've got like a lot of the Fox animation and things like that. So like we we'll watch Bob's Burgers in the Great North or we'll watch cooking shows and Hulu has a you know good selection of cooking shows. We've been watching this season of Hell's Kitchen, which is funny because Gordon Ramsay annoys the shit out of me, but also like it it's a it's a train wreck that I can't look away from. Um, I will. He say, plays his character well. I, yeah, he does. He really does, and it is a character because you watch him on any like American cooking show featuring Gordon Ramsay, and he's that hard ass. He's swearing and yelling at you all the time, and he, like you feel like he's gonna blow a vein in his forehead at any moment. But then you watch him on like Master Chef Junior, or just like you know, at home with his kids and he is just the gentlest, kindest, most paternal like person. And I'm like, which one's the character, Gordon? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> even like his TikToks. Like you'll see, he'll like duet people with their creations yeah. and it'd be like, Oh, Oh, that was a good try. That was a really good try. Like he's very encouraging, yeah. like, Oh, good for you. You, you did it. You know, we're normally be like, what is this bullshit? You know, like throwing plates and stuff like that. It's very, it's a character. It was a great character. I like that version of Gordon. And, uh, I will say to his credit in, uh, at least in this season of Hell's Kitchen, he does both. Like he will just absolutely rip people apart for like repeatedly making stupid mistakes, which I kind of get that like at a competition level like that, when you're like the top prize is to be the executive chef at a, like a really well-known restaurant, like you kind of have to bring the best. And when you're not, and you're doing it repeatedly, that's kind of disappointing. Although I wish for the, you know, they, they didn't have to go for the drama. I wish they could just like, you're a fuck up. You need to go home rather than stringing people along for weeks because it's good TV. I get it. I really do. But I just, I wish it could be otherwise. But then there's other times when he just like steps back and he's like, wow, wow, that was just, that's a beautiful dish. And it's like, or it's like, you know, he sees someone struggling and goes over and like encourages them uh, rather than just laying into them. So you see both, uh, which again, makes me wonder which one is the character, Gordon, which is the role you're playing in, which is you, or are they both fake? 
Man, wouldn't that be weird <laughs> if like he's a secret third third thing? He's a secret third thing where he's like, I don't even like cooking. I this is hate t- cooking. This is cooking. I'm a I, I'm a bird watcher. Like I don't even. <laughs> Uh, which would be really interesting, you know. So, so in you know, uh, circling back, uh, one of the things that I do like that Hulu does that Tubi also does uh-huh. is it says, "Hey, if you liked that, you might like this." True. And it was something that Netflix used to do, and I think it's such a stupid thing for them to not do it anymore because why wouldn't you want to keep me on your site as long as possible? So if you suggest a movie and then you just, it's like, oh, I'll just watch this thing next because look, you just gave me another option to watch instead of pushing like a very specific thing. That's going to keep people on your pet platform longer. I feel like it's just a it's a home run. What I don't like is when they just try to autoplay something. Tubi does this, Hulu Netflix does, does this, it. Like, yep. Netflix does it. Like, oh, you finished watching this show, so we're just going to go ahead and pick another show for you. Or you finished this yeah. movie, like... You know, you watched, like, Tubi is bad at this. You watched the trailer for this movie, so we're just automatically going to play the movie. Like, no, I specifically selected the trailer because I wanted to know what it was about. And now that I've seen how horrible it is, uh, because I'm on Tubi and I know what to expect, uh, I don't want to watch this right now. Maybe later. This, You know, you've you've figured me out at this point, Tubi. You know I'm going to watch it. Just fucking leave me alone and let me do it in my own time. (laughs) It's just like, I know what's happening, but I'm still going to complain the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, Fine, but I'll complain about it the whole time. (laughs) <laughs> speaking of bob's burgers <laughs> catching up on shows speaking of good shows mm-hmm. uh the last of us holy shit so for those of you guys listening episode three is already out but we are recording this uh the day that episode three comes out so we've only we can only talk about the first two episodes so mm-hmm. i mean first off you know we we can't even begin to start uh talking about this without already acknowledging this show was one of the largest premieres for HBO Max. Uh, it went up like 22% watch uh, viewership between episode one and episode two, mm-hmm. which is typically, it goes the other way. Typically, it drops in viewership yeah. uh, after an episode. Uh, but this one went up by an absurd amount, and it's already been re- uh, renewed for season two. That's... So, Or they're referring it to it as part two. Mm. Um, well, but it's... there's a new season. That makes sense, though, because if, if I remember correctly, the games were The Last of Us Part 1 and The Last of Us Part 2, yeah? Correct. Uh, yep. And the reason that that little bit of trivia is so fresh in my mind is because I stumbled across on YouTube, someone stitched together all of the cutscenes and like various like important pieces of dialogue that like actually like stop the game and present you information sort of thing uh, into a roughly three hour feature film uh, of The Last of Us Part One, the game. Uh, and so I, I watched that in its entirety. So now I know how the game ends without having to go through the stress of playing it because it looks like a very stressful game. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, I know how it ends now. But more importantly, I know, like, I had been told, I had heard, but now I know definitively myself firsthand how true to this game the story of the the series is. And, like, holy shit, sometimes it is essentially frame for frame i you know i've i've seen a few tiktoks already where it shows a you know a, a cut scene from the game and then the live action one where it is literally like it is frame for frame like they are like they move the same way they mm-hmm. speak in the same cadence like it is pretty spot on and this is again another one of those things where it's like halo this is what you should have done the first like you should have just watched the cutscenes of fucking Halo yes. and then just made that a movie and everybody would have nobody would have shit on Halo everyone would have been like yes that's exactly what I wanted Mass Effect if you're going to make a Mass Effect movie or TV series 
Literally just do that. Seriously. I know it feels like you can't. I'm sure there's probably some logistics or, or reasoning behind it. But trust me, man, you want to win over the fans frame for frame and you like, will win them over. I always wonder if it's like one or the other or a combination of both of like, you know, pressure from studio execs who don't know what they're doing. But like, you got to spice this up. You got to make it more interesting or like writers who are like. I want to write my own thing. Like I can, I can do this, uh, or you know, or both. It's probably both, if we're being honest. But it's like every time, every time I see this happen, I just, I feel, just like, why, why didn't you, you had the story? You had the I story, know. and it was good. Like it would be one thing if people liked the game, but were like, eh, the story's lacking. It could be really like fleshed out more. And there are plenty of games that are like that. I'm sure. Uh, I, I know that there are games like that. Uh, but when you have a game that is known for its story that people love, fucking lean into it. And the writers of The Last of Us did that. And they did it just, yeah. I mean, we, you know, obviously we're only, you know, we are only two episodes in. The world at this point is three episodes in. So maybe there's going to be some variations. I know that they've mentioned that there are a couple of things that they had to change just for a matter of logistics. Yeah. Um, you know, like as an example, um, you know, in in the game, uh, this, it is air transmitted. So they're wearing mm -hmm. face masks the entire time. But I'm sorry, you don't put Pedro Pascal in your thing and then cover up his face the whole time. Oh, no. And I know that everyone's <laughs> going to be like, but the Mandalorian, blah, blah. But like, yes, I know, but... Then, versus now, you don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I get it. I get it. Just think about how much better the Mandalorian would have been if he wasn't wearing that stupid armor the whole time. I don't actually know that. I just hadn't watched it. But, like, you know, as Pedro Pascal. He's, he, uh, yeah. he's the internet's daddy. Yes. I mean, and, you know, spoiler for Mandalorian, it's three seasons in, but, uh, you know, there's now, but we do see him out of the armor yeah. once and it's a huge deal because they're never supposed to take the armor off. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's a huge deal. But, uh, but yeah, yeah and like, the last of us. even in just the, the first couple of episodes, like I, I noticed some things that they changed, but they changed it in a way that I think, uh, took was, was true to the spirit of the, the story of the game. Um, but actually expanded it out into something that was interesting to watch. Like there's a lot of stuff, a lot of the action that happens in the game. Uh, you can, when you watch, when someone does these, these splice together, if they do it well, they'll skip all of the like manual user controlled stuff. So like you, you come into a big action sequence where they're going to be like running around dodging and shooting, 300 times to kill you know one enemy that's not interesting to watch as a film so they cut that out so you go from like the action starts to the action resolves and so you miss a lot obviously for the film or for the the series they want to put some of that action back in you have to invent yeah. that you have to write what happens that's fine uh a lot of like some of the introduction of characters uh, like the the fireflies in the beginning uh, is done in a more interesting way because in the game it's about moving you on through the the action to get to like the next fight sequence um whereas in the series you want to care about who these characters are and why they're getting to where they're going so some of that stuff changes um, but again as, as far as i've been able to tell so far 
any changes that are made are done from a sense of like understanding the point of the story and not yeah. just fundamentally changing who the characters are or what their their goals are. Uh, it doesn't feel like fan fiction. Exactly. It feels like it feels true to the story, which I think is is great. You know, and again, I use Halo as an example because it was another uh, video game one. Resident Evil, the TV series, is another great example <laughs> where like you have great source material. It's right there, and you went off and tried to do this weird fan fiction thing, and people didn't like it. And we have enough examples so far of that people don't like that, so stop doing that. It's true, it's people, true. People really don't like it. <laughs> and like, it's one of those things where like, you, sure there's there's a certain level of like Steve Jobs type, like I'm gonna tell people what they want, they don't really know, versus like, no, they've been telling you for years what they actually want and have been giving you concrete examples of what they didn't want and were given. Right. At this just, point, just fucking listen. Just, just connect the dots. Yeah, yeah. So, so the Last of Us is is uh, available on uh, HBO Max. If you haven't watched the show so far, and if you loved the game, what are you doing? Sign up for HBO Max. Watch the show. You can watch the first episode actually for free um, on uh, HBO Max's YouTube, and also via an HBO Max, uh, you just download the app, and that you can watch that for free without having to pay for a subscription. Um, but you know, it'll it'll get you hooked, and you'll want to watch the rest of the series. And while you're waiting for the next episode to come out, you can go back and watch all three seasons of His Dark Materials. You can catch up on the British version of Ghost. The, the, there's a lot of stuff on there uh, that yeah. you you can watch. I mean, Lizzo had a special recently that's on there. Uh, you know that. Honestly, the the biggest problem that I have with the current era of streaming television is that there are too many choices. There is another great thing on HBO is all of Doctor Who for ah, now. Yeah, uh, but that'll soon be changed to Disney Plus uh, later this year. Well, so that, that'll make my life a little easier, I guess. <laughs> yeah, when, when I no longer need HBO Max for either The Last of Us or His Dark Materials because His Dark Materials has ended and The Last of Us will be done eventually uh, I mean, uh well in the next couple of months you know, like two months i can at least get my doctor who uh yeah disney yeah uh, doctor who has that disney plus money now or that disney money it's yeah. gonna be it's it's gonna be pretty wild so one of the uh, speaking of wild well, i think one of the the wildest things about the the um overwhelming amount of choices that we have in streaming television there's all of these new like original shows coming out uh, but every now and then you decide to, to take a trip back in time and and watch something. And uh, Ellen and I decided the other night uh, to pick up, uh, back in 2003, a show that neither one of us ever watched but was uh, was very well known, does not fit the never heard of a category, and that's uh, One Tree Hill. <laughs> oh, my God. So I worked at the WB when One Tree Hill came out. So I was like, I was in it. Like that was like, I was, I was, uh, working in the promotion department as a producer. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I worked. And so I, oh yeah. One tree Hill, <laughs> like all those shows, the C, the, the OC, all of them. Uh, so uh, I learned we have, we've only watched one episode. We watched the pilot, uh, and that was enough to learn that apparently this is a show about people who think that high school basketball is the most important thing in the world. And that's hilarious to me. So like that alone is enough to keep me watching what I'm sure is going to be a terrible show. Uh, let's be honest with ourselves even if you loved it uh, in 2003 let's be honest it's pretty bad uh, but i'm hooked now so uh, i also think that uh if i remember correctly uh because this this was an era where you know the cwwb whatever was uh well known for their soundtracks uh you know oh yeah this, i mean one tree hill soundtrack was 
huge, huge. I am fairly certain that One Tree Hill was the uh, the the show that uh, a, a random episode had a Longson song in. Uh, oh, I, I that's interesting. There was one. There was one of the the WB shows that we found out like after the fact, like it had already aired, and people were like, "Your song was in this show." We're like. Cool. I'm glad somebody cool. told us because uh, you because know, we didn't own the publishing rights at that time. So like that's just- so that means that uh, uh, you watched uh, One Tree Hill on uh, whatever whatever you're watching it on. I think it's and Hulu. that means yeah. So you're watching it on Hulu. That means at the end of this month or next month, uh, when when the royalty checks come in, somebody is going to get a ten cent royalty check for your song airing in One Tree Hill. So they're going to be like. Ah, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. I hope you're happy, Derek. I'm just kidding. I love yeah. you, Derek. Uh, I, I, Derek does not listen to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, God damn it, Derek. But but yeah, we, we didn't own the, the publishing rights, so like things like that would happen every now and then. Like uh, I, th- I think we've talked about it on this show before, too. There was a a snowboarding game on Xbox that wasn't SSX, SSX Tricky. Tr- oh, it wasn't yeah, SSX it wasn't Tricky. That SSX was the story tricky. I remember hearing. The, so. uh, tricky was a was a was a big deal, and like Joshua and I were were into that uh, game. But there was another snowboarding game from that era that also leaned into you know just grabbing a bunch of like cool indie stuff for the soundtrack because that was a thing that that games were doing heavily a lot of the time. I mean, Tony Hawk yeah. was the. The, the most well-known example, I think. Uh, but yeah, we just found out one day, like, hey, yeah, your your song is in this snowboarding game. I'm like, cool. Or like the time that someone was like, hey, you need to check out the credits for this movie, Kids in America, and like wouldn't tell me why. And I was like scrolling through the credits, like what is important about this? And like, oh, that's my song. Uh, and it was just shit like that. We would just find out from other people. And like part of that is like, oh, that's really frustrating. I wish I'd known or wish I had like any kind of say in this whatsoever. And part of it's just like, oh, that's fucking cool. And then moved on with my life. <laughs> well, isn't that neat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that. And that's how those uh, stuff is. So One Tree Hill. Yeah. All right. One Tree Hill. Yeah. So, uh, that brings me back to, yeah, all that air. Oh, man. Like One Tree Hill, the OC. 20 years ago, think, dude. Uh, Riverwood or Riverwood. What was the one? Riverdale? Uh, no, not Riverdale. It was river. It was another one that was in that same sort of like Riverwood or something like that, or Everwood or something. I think it was Everwood. Um, um, but it was another one of those shows that happened to rage around the same time as as uh, the OC. And I think it's hilarious that like it, like ten minutes into the pilot of One Tree Hill, where they're already establishing the like Will, what's his name, Luke. Uh, the yeah, Lucas will Lucas uh, fall in love with his best friend or his boy, his his brother's girlfriend, like that triangle when they're establishing it. They already make a Dawson's Creek joke. Oh yeah, yeah, because that's yeah, that all spawned off of Dawson's Creek. Yeah, it was Everwood, by the way, which Everwood, was uh, man. which was written by Greg, uh, created by Greg Berlanti, who uh, more recently is famous uh, because he is the uh, showrunner and creator of all of the CWDC shows, like The Flash, oh, okay. Arrow, uh, you know, Legend of Tomorrow, you know, Supergirl. Like he did all of the DC Arrowverse shows. Oh, that's right. Everwood was. Uh, what if Hallmark Holiday Movie were a TV series? And just kept happening. Yeah, what if Hallmark Holiday Movie but kept happening? A, yeah. a widowed brain surgeon from Manhattan moves his two children to small mountain town of Everwood, Colorado. Like, if that's not a fucking Hallmark Christmas movie, I don't know what is. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, it was wild, but you know, also uh, uh, people in that um, uh, movie or in that series, uh, Chris Pratt was in Everwood. Ah, of course, he was. Yeah, that was one of his uh, his bigger shows at the time. This is you know, two thousand early two thousand two thousand two to two thousand six. So, Bright Abbott, what a name! Yeah, Bright Abbott. Uh, so speaking of their great shows, uh, this one actually is, is very interesting. So this is a, br- a brand new show came out on Peacock and, you know, we're coming off the hype of, uh, the Knives Out sequel. True, true. Um, uh, we're coming off the hype of that. Ryan Johnson, uh, has a brand new show on Peacock, um, which stars, uh, um, uh, Natasha Leone and is called Poker Face. You know what I think is hilarious is you and I were talking about this just like literally like two days ago. Uh, we were sitting, we were writing, and you're like, oh, you should check this out. Um, and if I remember correctly, you described it to me as basically like, it's Columbo, but with Natasha Leone. I was like, well, that sounds awesome. Uh, it is literally what it is. The very next day, I was having a conversation with some other mutual friends, and one of them was like, hey, you like Columbo, speaking to uh, to our other friend. Uh, I was like, have you checked out uh, this show? And I was like, that's hilarious, the timing of it. Is, is very, that is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, it is that it is exactly what it is. So the story is, is Natasha Leone, you know, uh, plays this character, Charlie, who, um, she is, she is basically like a human lie detector. So she just, she knows when people are lying mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. her like catchphrases, whenever somebody lies, she goes bullshit. Um, and it's great and it's hilarious. Uh, but basically, you know, the, the, the show starts off is that she of course works at a casino. She got got busted for, you know, basically, you know, running casinos dry. And the casino head guy was basically like, look, you have two options. Stop gambling and come work for me or I kill you. Pick one. Oh. And she was like, well, I guess I'm just going to work for you. That seems so like she a gets, pretty straightforward choice. It seems like a very easy choice. So she ends up working for, for the casino. You know, she's just like a waitress or something in the casino and no more gambling. She ends up getting tied up with the casino owner's son, not like romantically, but like the son ropes her into a deal where he's trying to catch, you know, to like have her scam out, like, you know, basically poker out a scam for like a million dollars. A bunch of people die. So now she's off on the run and she keeps running into these small town like murders and getting tangled up in them and then like solving the crime. And here's the thing. So the first four episodes, well, as of now, there's like five, five episodes out. Uh, but uh, the first four episodes dropped all at once. And then weekly, every Thursday, a brand new episode comes out. So today, if you're listening to this episode when it came out, uh, a brand new episode is out. This is not a show to binge. I don't think, I think you could binge it, you know, just like you're just running, but this isn't a show that you binge because it is very formulaic. Mm-hmm. She stumbles into town, a murder happens, she solves the murder, it's very fun and quirky, but it, like after, like I watched the first, I watched three of the first four episodes and I was like, I love this show so much, but I don't want to watch it all in one sitting. I want to throw this on every couple of days and watch an episode because it's just cool. There is a reason I think that shows like that worked really well in the, shall we say, the the prime era of traditional network television. Like you know, we we mentioned Columbo, Murder She Wrote, Matlock. Matlock. You, you referenced yep. Matlock when you were telling me about the show. I loved Mar- Murder She Wrote. I loved Matlock. Those shows worked really well airing one episode a week because yeah, you just no, you 100%. had enough time like you you knew like 
I don't know what night. So let's say it's Tuesday nights at, at eight, you know, Matlock's on. So, you know, Tuesday night you sit down, you watch your Matlock. You're like, what's he going to, what's he going to get into this time? How is he going to solve this one? And he fucking does it. And you're like, ah, I knew he could do it. And then yeah. you, know, you wait the next week and you know, oh, it's Tuesday, it's Matlock. And you get into it again. But like you have that break in between. Uh, so you don't feel the repetition and the formulaicness as much as you do when you try to watch them back to back to back to back. Uh, binging really works well in an era where television is written in these like broad story arcs. That's why <clears throat> some shows from that era still work really well. Like I think like you know, if I go back and watch Star Trek, you've got uh, enough of a, a broad story arc sweeping across the entire show, uh, but each episode is different enough that it can, like, you know, it's easy to just kind of sit and get lost in, in any of those series. Uh, but these like murder of the week sort of things, like you, you need a little time between. Totally. And I think this show is better for that. Um, and it's great. I, I cannot recommend it highly enough. If you liked the writing of Knives Out, if you love the murder mystery thing, if you watch shows like, if you're old enough to have, watch shows like Murder, She Wrote, uh, you know, Columbo and those sort of things, like this is 100% up your alley. And, you know, there is a very fun fact. So in uh, the Knives Out uh, Glass Onion, mm -hmm. there is a scene where Benoit Blanc is in the tub or, and he has like a FaceTime up and he's FaceTiming Natasha Leone and Angela Lansbury. Um, Natasha Leone was on the set of uh, uh, Poker Face while that was happening. Amazing. She was actually in costume for Poker Face Amazing. when she filmed that cameo uh, for this. So I think that's also a really, that's a really cool, like fun little Easter egg for uh, Knives Out of Glass Onion. But it is very much that. It is the solve, solve the murder. You know, one thing that this one, that this show so far, at least in the episodes I've watched, has done that I think is really interesting is that it shows you who the killer is first. Oh. So like, you know how it's going to end. The fun of it is how does she solve it? Yeah. Not, she, it's not her figuring out the crime. You know exactly who the killer is at the beginning of the episode. Most of the time the episode starts with the murder happening mm -hmm. and then you see her stumble into it. Um, so I think that's really interesting because it is, it is about the, like, how is she going to figure out like, oh, she did the, with the camera and the thing, like, that's what makes the show so interesting. You know, what's really clever about that is it allows the people who want to sit and like puzzle through and like experience the entire mystery to do that without the person sitting next to them, like constantly being like, oh, it was, it was the, it's me. It was the doctor. <laughs> it was the it was the it was the guy the celebrity you know like SVU was so famous because every time SVU would air and it would say like guest starring blah and I'm like well they're the killer yeah you know like there you go you know they're either the killer or the lawyer yeah it was one or the other like you or know both. so like you knew right off the bat right so like every SVU episode every time I recognized a name in the credits that wasn't one of the regulars I was like well that's the killer yeah. I, I love a good whodunit, but there are some people who feel that they are so good at it that, that they can't help themselves. <laughs> it's me. I, I am. The, I am the person that knows the. I know the ending of it. Oh, I always am like, that's who did it. You know, I, I got to the point where I started writing it down in a notes app. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, I just pull up the notes app and be like, see, I, I, I knew who it is I because I. That. 
I stop. I don't want to ruin things for people. Um, and like I, I'm saying this from my my high horse here, but like it, it's me sometimes too. Like I can't. I try right. not to, but like try. I can't help myself sometimes. I'm like I know what's gonna yeah. happen, and I say it out loud, and like I try to stop myself. Like no, 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 just fucking watch the movie, Brie. Because uh, I'll, I'll do that to <laughs> Ellen. Like she'll start be like, oh, I bet it's like so and so. Be like, watch the movie, and then I'll do it. I'm like God damn it, watch the movie. Uh, but it's those of us who grew up on like Encyclopedia Brown. And like Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, or going back even further, like I like huge Sherlock Holmes fan. So like that, the the Who Done It mysteries are deeply ingrained in our cultural psyche. I mean, you know, obviously like Knives Out is a nod to like Agatha Christie, and like yeah. that. There's this literally entire sections of bookstores and libraries dedicated to uh humanity's love of mystery in literature uh and so like it's it, it's hard to really be mad at anyone for wanting to figure it out but just you know shut up and watch the movie <laughs> and you know the 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 whole thing about that is it's an ADHD thing actually because it's you your brain is uh constantly tries to figure out patterns yeah it's true and because you're always looking for the pattern uh that that's why you're always able to solve the crime uh -huh. from the beginning because you recognize the patterns. Uh, that's an ADHD thing. That's a neurodivergent thing. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Hey. Somebody just found out their ADHD but <laughs> <laughs> by listening to this podcast. We're like, Wait, I do that. Wait, I do that. So oh no. <laughs> let me ask you this though, because this is something that, that um, I've experienced. Do you find it satisfying or frustrating slash infuriating when you're wrong? Like when you're like, it's got to be this. And at the end, like they totally like throw you for a loop. It depends. So a perfect example is uh, Glass Onion. Um, Glass Onion maybe be like, oh my God, I did not see, like I guessed some of it, but there were some parts where I was like, oh, I didn't know it was that. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, that was a really great example of like, I was pleasantly surprised because it was written well. Mm -hmm. Other times I'm annoyed because I'm like, you wrote it wrong. Like you wrote it wrong. Like you wrote, like you set me up. It's not like ah, uh, you pulled a fast one on me. It was like no, you didn't write it correctly. Yeah. Like you wrote it poorly, and you had the wrong ending. You have yeah. the wrong ending because you basically wrote your ending. You wrote your whole movie being like, it's this one. They're the they're the bad guy, and then you're like, and then at the very end, I'm gonna throw you for a loop and write this other person. That's bad writing. I'm glad that like, you make that distinction because that yeah. is, like it's honestly true that there are some where they just do such a good job of misdirection that you are thinking in one direction and the story is going the other way. And there's others where it's just like no, like but but no, like. There's no other way that this could, how are you? No, this is not right. This is not right. right. <laughs> so yeah. like, I, I agree with you on that. So the, I'm glad that you made that distinction. Uh, so, so there it is, everyone, for all of the cool things we just uh, listened to, you know, The Last of Us, One Tree Hill, you know, hey, what was your, uh, what was your favorite episode of One Tree Hill? Let yeah. us know. Yeah, Comment down in that YouTube section. What, uh, what's your favorite band you discovered from the soundtrack in the 2000s? <laughs> that, man, <laughs> there was, there was some, there were some bangers. Uh, so there's there's that, you know, Last of Us, obviously, huge show, and Poker Face streaming on Peacock. A lot of cool things. And, of course, our brand-new episode is coming out this Sunday where we're talking about the movie Rosalind, which is streaming now on Hulu. So yeah. if you are the type of person that watches the movies before we review them, that is where you can watch it, and then you tune into our episode on Sunday. So hit that subscribe button, either on YouTube or on your podcast player of choice. 
drop a rating and review or smash that like button, leave a comment. Either one of those, all of those things, it's how we get discovered by more people, and that's how eventually people suggest other really crazy movies for us to watch, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and we would love that. We want to we watch the movies that you guys think we should be watching. That's true. So there it is, everyone. Thanks a lot for joining us, and we will see you on Sunday. Yay.